Aleluia. You had a good week? Come on, you had a good week? Because I've missed you. I have missed you, like, like the flu. I've missed you. No, I have missed you. I had a good wee time away. It was great. But glad to be back among God's people. Good to be here. Do you know, who remembers when you were a child? You're not going to get much from this side of the room. <laughs> Love you guys. <laughs> but there's a time in every child's life where they love superheroes. They love superheroes. And they love it. They idolize all the things that they can do. They can fly and they can become invisible and they can shoot laser beams from their eyes and all this kind of fun stuff. And young people idolize it. I remember as a boy, I tied a tea towel around my neck and jumped off the front. I still do it, but I've got a wee boy now that I can still pretend to be like the superheroes. <laughs> and superheroes are even, even more popular today with, with Marvel Studios. I mean, even now I love Marvel, I love superhero villains because they can do amazing things. A sad time for me was whenever... I was a boy and I realized that it was never going to happen. I could never be a superhero because, you know, it's impossible, right? And sometimes I think that we read the Bible that way. We read the Bible in the same way as we read a superhero comic. In the same way that we watch a, a superhero movie. We look at all the amazing and wonderful things that superheroes can do. Uh, and, we, and we think, look at all the amazing things that people can do in the Bible. And we're amazed by the stuff that they can accomplish. We, we idolize their, 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 their passion and their zeal for God. We do. And sometimes we see people in the Bible as superheroes whose superpowers are impossible to match. Sometimes it's hard to grasp that these guys were just ordinary people like you and me. They're not just made-up stories. These people had real problems. They had real struggles in life. They didn't have superpowers. They weren't superheroes. and They were just ordinary people who were putting their faith into practice. They were super people with super characters, yes. But they didn't have any special abilities in order to live their lives better or in order to do fantastic things they're just examples of to us how we should live our lives examples when i read of people like abraham when i read of people like moses and, and david and, and elijah and the apostle paul I, mean, I really envy some of the things about these guys i think they're awesome guys i envy the closeness that they have with god they had a special relationship with God. They, they had a constant communication with him. I envy about all the stuff that they could accomplish for him. I envy that. It's amazing how God can take these weak and imperfect individuals and do these amazing things through them so they can reach people. I envy their, their unwavering faith. And you read about some key people in the Bible and you can see they've got different personalities and they've got these different specific roles that they've been raised up to do. But all of them had this strong faith. They trusted God. They trusted God even when it didn't make any sense. 
know, sometimes life doesn't make sense. And you're going through stuff like, what? Why am I going through this? These guys trusted God when it didn't make sense. They trusted God when it wasn't even popular to trust God. They trusted God when things weren't going their way. They're legends that we're still talking about thousands of years later because of their faith. I wonder how many people talk about us in a couple of thousand years. I hope, guys, that today as we read through our Bible and we can say to ourselves sometimes, hey, that's the kind of guy I want to be. That's the kind of woman I want to be. Look, look at that. Look at that. That's the kind of faith that I want to have. See, the bottom line is we can't have that kind of faith. Say amen. We can't have that kind of faith. Jesus promised us that we would have this faith that we could move mountains with. We can't have that kind of relationship with our Heavenly Father today. But I think sometimes we're so easily satisfied with the mediocrity of our faith. We're satisfied with being casual Christians in name only. We're satisfied with our lack of commitment, our lack of excitement, our, our lack of zeal. And sometimes we're just content to be uninvolved, lukewarm Christians. Let's be real with each other this morning. I hope today you want more. I hope today you want more. Today I hope that you're just not content where you are in your faith. I hope you want to be like some of the incredible people in the Bible and have that faith that can do amazing things. One of my most favorite characters in the Bible is the Apostle Peter. And what a guy. What a guy. He was a man that had this real zeal after the Lord. Crazy stuff. When Jesus was on the, on the, the Mount of Transfiguration with Moses and Elijah, it was Peter who, who offered to, to stay and build a shelter for them. When Jesus told Peter that he was going to be killed, Peter said that he'd die with him. It was Peter who assured Jesus that even after everybody else denied him, that he wouldn't. It was Peter who drew the sword and cut off the ear of the soldier who came to arrest Jesus. It was Peter who ran to see the empty tomb. It was Peter who left the boat to walk out onto the water to be with Jesus. Some people can, can fault find with Peter. They can find fault over his overzealous actions. But overall, Peter had this heart for Jesus. He did. Serves as an example to all of us in the way that we should be serving Jesus. Zealous. Peter's greatest desire, now I wonder if we can say this, but Peter's greatest desire was to be with Jesus whenever possible. See, in this account of the Jesus walking in water, you see the disciples are out and there's a great storm going on and there's a big storm all around them, waves are crashing. Now these disciples were experienced fishermen, so they would have knew a thing about boating. But it says that they were afraid. I know what it's afraid to be like on a boat in the bath. See, last night, insane. The, I, I kid you not, I near fell out of bed. 
The waves were so high. My Apple Watch thought I was doing exercise. It was so, honestly, I closed two rings in my sleep because of the, <laughs> I know what it's like to be a skirt in the water, I tell you. And then we learn that Jesus walks out in the water toward them. And Peter speaks up, he says, Lord, if it's you, let me come out to you. See, Peter wanted to get to Jesus. He wanted to get to Jesus so badly that the waves didn't even deter him from stepping out of the boat. He knew that he'd be safer with Jesus. Notice that Peter didn't say, hey, Lord, if that's you, let me walk on the water like you because it'd be cool. It's kind of cool walking on the water. He didn't say that. Peter just wanted to get to where Jesus was. He knew that Jesus was the only one who could calm the storms of his life. And today, guys, we are living in a world, in a society that is being buffeted by the wind and the waves and all of these storms of life with coronavirus and there's, there's earthquakes in diverse places and nation rising against nation and, and, and people turn on each other. and It's a horrible place to live right now. Another earthquake in the Philippines, people getting killed. It's horrible. Something's happening. I tell you, something's happening. This is not a time to be playing about. Life can be hectic. Who knows? Life can be chaotic. But there is a solution. We talk about the Christians as well as non-Christians. There's a solution. There's a person who can come into your life and calm the storms. The person's Jesus. But sometimes you just need to hear it. You think this coronavirus defines who Jesus is? You think we as Christians, you think that defines who we are? Of course it doesn't. He offers us the same hope of calming the storms that he offered to the disciples thousands of years ago. Do we believe that? Listen to Matthew 11. He says, come to me. All who, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know what's strange about human beings, and everybody in this room, is that we think that we can sort out our own problems. Don't we? No matter what comes our way, we think, up. Oh, Sort it myself, especially us men, we're terrible for it. Sort my own problems out. We think that we can fix everything that goes on in our lives. But I want to tell you this morning, there's somebody, if you would just open up your eyes, our eyes, and just see Jesus, who will just come and take our burdens and our worries and our stresses and just make things a whole lot better. If we would only come to Jesus, and he would take away those burdens. But we don't. We don't. Sometimes life can be just hectic. Say amen to that. But sometimes in order for us to go to Jesus, we've got to get out of the boat. Sometimes in order to go to Jesus, we've got to get our feet wet. Another reason why Peter wanted to get to him that day was because Peter knew that Jesus was in control of his own creation. 
Peter used to eat up opportunities just to sit at the feet of Jesus. He loved it. He loved things like when Jesus picked him to go up with him to Mount Transfiguration. He loved it. He didn't want those, those things to ever end. He knew that Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us. He knew that Jesus had control over his creation. That's why getting to him in the water was such a big deal for Peter. He knew that Jesus could control the wind. He knew that he could control the waves. And by the time Jesus ascended and went to heaven, it was plain to Peter that Jesus was Lord over the sea. That Jesus was Lord over the sick. He was Lord over the diseased. That he was Lord over demons. That he was Lord over, over, over life because he even raised Lazarus from the dead. He knew that death couldn't hold Jesus. He would have known that Jesus had control over his creation and he wanted to be with his creator as much as he possibly could. Another reason was because he knew that Jesus alone could save him. You know, Peter's often ridiculed for stepping out of the boat. But I believe he showed more faith than the other disciples who stayed in the boat when Peter stepped out of the boat, he became afraid because of the wind because he took his eyes off Jesus and he began to sink. And he cried out some of the most amazing words ever recorded in the Bible. And he says, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. Three simple words. It's packed with so much meaning. Lord, save me. Peter's cry for his life was for Jesus to save him. He knew that Jesus had the power, Jesus alone had the power to bring him back up out of the water and to stop him from sinking. And he addressed him as master and he addressed him as Lord. That means the supreme in authority or it means someone who is in control. Also notice that Peter's faith didn't, 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 didn't change just because he was sinking when he was in the boat. He called him Lord. When he was sinking, he called him Lord. Peter knew that Jesus at that point was the only one who could save him. He couldn't save himself. No one else could save him. The disciples back in the boat, they couldn't save him. Only Jesus could save him. Now, the first time I ever stepped into a church building was to pray against the church building. And I was told at that church meeting that Jesus loved me and that Jesus wanted to save me. And I got saved. Isn't that pretty cool? See, right after this miracle of Jesus and Peter on the water, Jesus taught the crowds about the bread of life. The Bible tells us that these crowds had a difficult time in receiving these things from the Lord. Listen to this, John 6. It says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the 12, do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered, Lord, where shall we go? You've got the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe that and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Do you know, amidst, amidst all the crowds and all the people turning their backs on the Lord Jesus, he looks back to his disciples. He says, are you guys going to leave as well? Are you guys going to leave as well? And Peter's the one that pipes up with that incredible thing. Whoa. And 
I think what he said was inspired by what happened in the, in the previous encounter with Jesus when he walked on the water. And he says, where shall we go? You alone have got the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Peter's saying, I believe without any shadow of a doubt that you alone can save us. You alone can save us. And we too, guys, should want to be near Jesus because he alone can save us. We should have this zeal and this passion about encountering Jesus today. We need to get a, a excited about Jesus. Excited about Jesus. We should have this zeal for opportunities to, to encounter him because he's the only one who can save us, the only one who can deliver us. The Bible says, by his stripes we are healed. And for those watching online, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but Jesus is the only person who can save you. You can't save yourself. You can't save yourself. You cannot be saved without first coming to the Lord Jesus. And guys, I, I, I pray that today you want to encounter Jesus the same way that Peter did. I hope you have this desire, this zeal to encounter him. And if you don't, get at least a little bit excited. Just, just a smidgen. A little bit. Because he calms the storms. He's our creator. He's our sustainer. And he's the only one who can save us. What better than to have zeal for our creator God? See, Peter was the kind of guy who always longed for an opportunity to be used by the Father. I wonder how many of us can say that, that we are deeply, deeply, deeply moved and motivated with a desire to be used by God. And with Peter, it was that zeal that kind of got him in trouble a lot of the time. He had this unmatched zeal and passion to serve. He was, I mean, yeah, that's Peter. He was excited about what he believed. Are you excited this morning about being born again by the Spirit of God? Yeah, yeah, hallelujah. Now, sometimes Peter didn't always think things through before he speak. I know somebody else like that. <laughs> Me. But his heart was used in the right place. And yes, Peter had his faults, just like the rest of us. But his zeal serves as an example for each and every one of us here this morning. That Peter wanted to be an instrument to be used by God for whatever way possible. And God used him in the day of Pentecost. To preach the first gospel message, 3,000 people got saved. Three, can you imagine 3,000? Can we fit them in, do you think? Social distancing? 3,000 people? See, a lot of time in churches and in people's lives, zeal is nothing more than talk. Truth. It's nothing more than talk about what people want to hear. And we as human beings are good at talking to talk, but we're not so good at walking the walk. Can I hear an amen? If we're being honest this morning. We should want to be used by God. That's my heart's desire to be used by God. We need to be getting excited about being used by God in whatever capacity he sees fit. A lot of the time, though, people want to have zeal and excitement, 
But it's nothing more than just words. An excitement and a passion for God should lead to your willingness to serve. Everybody shout, serve. Listen to James 1. It says, but be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Hmm. You see, guys, we as Christians, we as Christians who possess the truth should be the most excited people in the entire planet. The most excited people in the entire planet. We should be the ones who are the most eager to serve people in the entire world. We should be turning volunteers down. But it seems that in this day and age, people of of false religions are more committed to their false causes than Christians who own the truth. And that's a reality. That's a reality. We need to put that zeal for God like Peter into practice just like Peter did. If Peter had just been another foot and mouth disciple, we wouldn't be standing here today talking about his great faith. And though he messed up sometimes and got things wrong sometimes, and sometimes he spoke out before he kicked his brain into gear, no one can question his, 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 his desire to serve and to be used by our Heavenly Father. And my question today is, is, is will we turn our words into actions? Perhaps today you've got this zeal and this, and this love for God. The Scriptures tell us that if you love God, then you'll obey His commandments. Will you turn that head knowledge and that love for God into commitment to serve? Will you go beyond talking to talk and start walking the walk? See, today, if you claim to love God and have a zeal to see people saved, or if you get excited about what God has done or going to do in your life, you need to take the next step. Anybody heard of uh, Sir Edmund Hillary? <coughs> hmm? Yeah, what a guy. He made several unsuccessful attempts at climbing Mount Everest before he finally did. And after one attempt, he stood at the base of the mountain and he says, I'll get you next time because you are as big as you're going to get, but I'm still growing. Hallelujah. And every time Hillary climbed the mountain and field, he learned something about what not to do and what to do the next time until he succeeded. And Peter went through some times of adversity and some difficult times. I'm going to read about that. He has ups and he has downs. He promised Jesus that he'd never turn his back on him. But Jesus told him that here, three times you're going to deny me, three times. When you think of after Jesus was betrayed and handed over, Peter followed him to the courtyard and he was noticed as being as one of his disciples and when he was questioned, he, he denied it three times, even cursed the name of Jesus. Peter failed big style at a time when he could have stood up and really helped his friend and his savior. 
after Jesus rose from the dead, he reinstated him, forgave him for denying him. But that event actually saved and shaped Peter into the man that he was to become later on. Peter went on to become the apostle to preach the first gospel message. Like I said, 3,000 people saved. He went on to baptize the first Gentile convert and also to be a contributor in the word of God. Wow. He went on to be a Christian martyr who would never deny the name of Jesus ever again. The adversity, the difficulties, and the failures in Peter's life served to change and transform Peter into a better person. And the reality of life is we all got hard times. We all face adversity from time to time. We all have times when we miss the mark and, and, and fail to do what we're supposed to do. Who can relate? The option that we have is, are we going to learn from those experiences and how can that adversary shape our character? You know, for two years, scientists saw sequestered themselves to an artificial environment called Biosphere 2. Anybody ever heard of this? Amazing, amazing. Their failure was amazing. See, inside their, 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 their self-sustaining community, the Biospherians created a number of, 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 of many environments, including the desert, a rainforest, even an ocean. Nearly every weather condition could be simulated inside this environment, except for one, wind. They couldn't simulate wind. And over a period of time, the effects of the windless environment became evident. A number of acacia trees bent over and snapped because without the stress of the wind to strengthen the wood, the trunks grew weak and couldn't hold up their own weight. See, guys, we live in an environment where we face all kinds of storms in life. We can see that every single great person has been shaped by difficult times and has, in fact, came out stronger. Can we relate? I have came through some nonsense in my life. But they've yet to break me. Because we're still here. We've got to choose how we are going to react in times of difficulty. Some people react by giving up on God. Even Christians. They say, well, if God's supposed to love me so much, why has God let this thing happen in my life? Some people, however, through difficult times and adversity, learn some stuff. Anybody ever learned some stuff through hard times? I would say everybody in this room. They've learned something about trusting God and carrying on through to the end. They've learned something about being dependent on God. When you think of the adversaries in life that Peter had that served to shape him into the man that Peter was to become, and what an impact Peter has had on this life that we're living now and for all eternity. It was through the mistakes that he made, through times of failure, through times of hardship, that he did some of his best growing and his best learning. See, like Peter, we have times on the mountain, times whenever we're on the mountaintop and everything is all rosy in the garden and it's all wonderful and it's all amazing and things is going smoothly. But we also have our times of sinking. We also have our times when the waves are crashing and, 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 and things is difficult. We have times of denial, times of rejection. And we learn through those times. 
Come on, praise team. Sorry for not sending you your, your thing. See, during the, the story in Matthew 14, Peter had two requests from Jesus. The first one was, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you in the water. See, Peter wanted to go out of the boat. He wanted to be with Jesus. I'm telling you guys, in order for you to be with Jesus, in order to get to a closer place with Jesus, sometimes you're going to have to get out of the boat and get your feet wet. Jesus told Peter to come out of the boat and come to him. And today, listen, God is calling us out of the boat this morning. He's calling us to step out, use our faith, and do something that we've never done before. I think Bill Wilson said, if you want something you've never had before, you've got to do something you've never did before. I've said before that it's so much better, so much more rewarding to be a wet water walker than a dry boat sitter. See, some people are content staying in their boat whenever possible. They are. Perhaps that's where you are this morning. You're stuck on your boat. See, your boat represents your safety. It represents your sense of security apart from God. Your boat is whatever you're tempted to trust in other than God. Perhaps, perhaps your boat is worldliness. Perhaps your boat is your, the stuff that you've accumulated over your life. Perhaps you don't want to give up some of that stuff. Perhaps your boat is yourself. Perhaps your boat is somebody else. A loved one, husband or wife or whatever. Perhaps your boat is success. You're focused and driven on success. But you don't want to get out of that boat to meet with Jesus. Not that you can't meet with him while in that boat of success because you can, but sometimes he wants you to get out for a little while to sacrifice some stuff because maybe you're putting some stuff in front of him that you shouldn't put in front of him. Whatever your boat is this morning, people in here, people watching online, Jesus invites you to step out and to come to him because he alone can save you. When Peter was called out of the boat, the storm was howling. Wind was crashing. Waves were high. See, I've learned how powerful of a thing water can be. You can see that during floods, water can destroy houses. Wreck lives. Tsunamis destroying communities. It crashes hard. It could be a scary thing. And the water that Peter and the disciples were in wasn't, wasn't calm water. And he still stepped out to be with Jesus. What I'm saying is don't just step out to be with Jesus when things are going smooth. When everything's all nice and, and rosy in the garden. Try stepping out when things aren't going too well. We need faith to step out of the boat because Jesus, listen, he's calling us to himself. Listen to this. John 21 says, after these things, Jesus showed himself to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the son of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we're going with you. They went out, immediately got in the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had come, Jesus stood on the shore, 
Yet the disciples didn't know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, do you have any food? They said, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat. You'll find some. So they cast, and now they weren't able to draw the net back in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had taken it off, and plunged into the, plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in a little boat, for they were not far from land, about 200 cubits, dragging the net with the fish. See, Peter was willing and ready to get out of the boat a second time. He was still willing to get out of the boat. Maybe this time he ran on the water, we don't know. Just to get to Jesus. Will you get out of the boat this morning? Will you do something you've never done before? Will you take a risk? Will you give up whatever thing that's holding you back from being totally committed to him? Will you get out of the boat and serve him wholeheartedly? The first request from Peter was, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come out on the water. The second request from Peter was, Jesus, save me. Save me. When Peter stepped out in that water and he began to sink, he cried out for the second request to save him. And this morning, perhaps, you need to cry out to the Lord to save you. He's faithful. And he's standing there with his arms stretched out. He's saying, come on. I know you're going through a hard time right now, but come on. I know life's difficult, but come on. I know you've lost your job, come on. I know your business is going to close down for another four weeks, but come on. I got you. He's got you. He's got you. I know none of your family's saved, but come on. I know you cry yourself to sleep at night, but come on. I know you're scared of the coronavirus. I know you're scared of catching it in case you die, but come on. He's got his hand reached out to you. He's saying, come on, stop looking at the world around you. Stop looking at the coronavirus. Stop looking at your job. Stop looking at the money in the bank. Stop worrying about not having the bills to pay your mortgage in time. He's saying, come on, come with me. I've got you. I've got you. The Lord's got you this morning. Everybody say, thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Come on, say it with conviction. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. We're going to stand. We're going to lift our hands to the King of kings and the Lord of all lords. And we're going to open up our hearts and give our fears and our worries and our anxieties and all the things that we're harboring on the inside of us that's holding us back from being the men and women that God wants us to be. Let's all stand to your feet. Let's worship.